0: travel creates stories unforgettable stories that can make a smile laugh or even cry i'm david cauldron and you're listening to out of office powered by contiki this podcast is for people who love to travel in each episode we'll be talking about hot topics and intriguing destinations on today's episode i'm going to be speaking to two brilliant women Indigenous Canadian activist Serene Fox will be telling me about the role travel can play in reconciliation between cultures. And blogger Kelly Thorpe will be convincing me why solo travel is a great idea. Now, we're all born with the same potential. But you know, some humans go that extra mile. They take a challenge and they turn it into an opportunity. These are the incredible humans that inspire us to do better and to be better. And today, we're going to hear from the incredible Serene Fox. Serene is an Indigenous Canadian activist who has been helping young Indigenous Canadians to reconnect with their culture at the Storyboot School. She joins us now to tell us more. Welcome to the podcast, Serene. How are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. Thanks so much for having me.
0: No, thank you for being here. Now, I know I just introduced you as an activist, but that's barely the tip of the iceberg of you. You have many different roles. You're a storyteller and you're also a host for Viceland, correct?
1: Yeah, so it took me a long time to actually decide that that was the best way to describe what I do, but truly I am a storyteller. I use any medium I can get my hands on to amplify the voices of my people and to tell our collective stories um, as human beings.
0: That's awesome. Now, I saw that you come from a, a certain like tribe or like nation that I know I cannot pronounce. Can you pronounce it? (laughs) Where are you from? Yeah,
1: so uh, I think the word you're referring to is Quay. So I'm Anishinaabe, which is Ojibwe, um, and I'm from northern Ontario on the shore of Lake Superior.
0: Okay, awesome. (laughs) But you also have your own show on Viceland, right?
1: I do. I have a show called Rise, and it's really about um, frontline resistance and all of the movement that's happening for Indigenous people across the world, really.
0: No, that's awesome, though. So you don't just like focus on just the indigenous people in Canada. You're, it's like on the global scale. Of-
1: Absolutely. Um, South America and also um, what indigenous people are working on all over the world to change the perception of indigenous people and, and the work that we're doing.
0: Now, I know that you work with indigenous people and I can tell you're really passionate about it. But like at what point did you think that this was something that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if there was like an exact moment, but I think uh, I grew up in a really politically active family. And when I started to realize that I was going to be an artist, I realized that the only stories that I was interested in were the stories of my people. And and I knew that there was so much work and and so much space for us to still claim. Um, So many people don't know anything about Indigenous people and (laughs) you're talking
0: to someone from America I know this
1: (laughs) exactly right I know this to be true (laughs) so it just seemed like a no-brainer for me um it was something like you said I'm very passionate about um but it's also it's my authentic voice it's where I come from so it's the way that I see the world so it just it's natural to me I think
0: Okay, so w- when did you start becoming like very um, politically active?
1: That started when I was probably a young teenager. So right around the time when I started to find my voice, I also realized the power of of someone's voice and what it means to be silenced and and also what it means to reclaim space. Um, I think the typical years when most teenagers are trying to figure out who they are is also the moment where I jumped into activism and I found it a really amazing tool to figure out who I am. It's amazing once you feel that power and then you know the difference that you can make. Um, I don't think you can ever go back from that. It changes how you see the world.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so you've also done some work with Storyboot School in Canada. Now you're trying to help other young Canadians kind of reconnect with their to- culture. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so the Storyboot School, um, with Manitoba Mukluks, um, is in partnership with the Treadwright Foundation, um, and it's a program I'm so uh, excited, I get so excited to talk about it because, um, I think the work is so important. So we have a school in Toronto at the Bada Museum, which, um, for your listeners is this, like massive museum all about shoes and they have the largest collection or one of the largest collections of um, moccasins and mukluks. So um, we teach classes there. They run every Sunday and they're open to everyone, but they really focus on young Indigenous people who are looking to learn the traditional Um, art of their ancestors. So in one way, it's just a class where people are learning how to make moccasins and mukluks. But in another way, it's so much more than that. Um, I call it reconciliation light. So it's talking to each other. It's um, actually doing something that their ancestors did. And it's reclaiming a part of themselves that they might have never gotten to know yet.
0: How long do you say would normally take someone to like, can you make a moccasin?
1: Um, I can make a moccasin, but I am not like an expert as some of our storybook school teachers are um, yeah. we have some teachers who can make a full set of moccasins in an hour or two
0: In an hour <laughs> now, that was be my next question like how long would it take to actually like make a, like a full pair
1: yeah, probably for someone who's never done it, it takes the full course, if not way longer. So at least a couple months. Um, but for experts, they can they can roll out moccasins a day at a time.
0: <laughs> that is definitely a skill to have.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and you know it's it's interesting to learn about your history in that way too. Moccasins were the traditional footwear for people in North America, so. Um, when you're making a and you can think about that. This is um, what people are walking around in the same places that I'm walking around in today.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, like, rooted in your culture. So it's definitely it's something you want to keep alive. You don't want to lose that. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Tread Right?
1: So I... I'm an ambassador for Manitoba Mucklucks. Manitoba Mucklucks is a Canadian indigenous footwear brand, and we um, make moccasins and Mucklucks, and so I got to understand the work that TreadRight is doing through that program, and, and now um, I have the opportunity to to see all of the work that they're doing, but to really um, stand uh, with the work that they're doing, in particular in the people um, pillar. So TreadRight does amazing things all over the world, and I happen to have been working with them through the lens of Manitoba Mukluks, but I'm hoping to do a bunch more incredible work in the future with them as well.
0: No, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned earlier reconciliation. Can you tell me a little bit more about the idea of reconciliation, like what it is?
1: Between Indigenous people and settler communities, reconciliation um, stems from the idea of literally reconciling our collective past and understanding the truth of our history, especially in North America, something I like to call the first chapter. So um, not just starting on the arrival and the building of of Canada and the U.S., but actually talking about before that and really honoring the truth of the people who were here first and then reconciling that our relationship from the very beginning maybe was complicated and we need to be able to honor each other's truth so that we can create better relationships um, with each other in the future.
0: I, again, like I said, from being from America, I 100% agree with that complete like sentiment right there. It's just, it's, it's just so surprising that like, here in 2019, it's such a, such a, still a thing.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the the fact that, you know, kids don't learn about this history in school and um, that you're right, it's 2019, and, and we're still talking about it as most people don't know anything about indigenous people, um, or our history. And I think we have a responsibility to fix that and to change that and to ensure that future generations um, know the truth of their history. um, And so that they can choose to make different choices than um, we made when we first met each other, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Do you think travel can play an important role in reconciliation?
1: Absolutely. I think um, travel and connecting with other communities and also the way we travel um, absolutely plays a role in reconciliation. Um, So I, I often joke that Indigenous people were the first tour guides, <laughs> but I...
0: <laughs> I mean, there's truth to that. There is truth to that, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, you think about it, right? No matter where you are, we're all Indigenous to somewhere, and um, there's no denying that the locals are always going to be the number one uh, resource to figure out where to go and, and how to how to also be respectful and to operate protocols to that land, so... Mm-hmm. I think the real reconciliation in travel is touching down in another place in someone else's community and being able to connect with the locals and to understand exactly where you are. Um, and not just experience all of the fun things, but actually talk to the people who are from there and figure out how they would want you to walk in their lands.
0: No, I think that's very very well said. Like obviously now with social media and everything like that, that's a big part when people like go traveling, you know, people are like snapping pictures and trying to like show where they are at all the time. Do you think social media can help with reconciliation?
1: Absolutely. So like you said, people are using social media all the time and in so many ways we're more connected than we've ever been. And I just think that social media has to be the first step so we can use it to connect and to share and to see, um, The world through each other's eyes Um, but when we touch down we have to also remember to reach out and to connect um, and to listen to each other's stories so I always say make sure that before you snap the photo you listen to the story Um, so even when you touch down and you're in a forest like take a minute take a deep breath
0: actually enjoy where you are before you're just like (laughs) posting it on social media
1: Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm all about social media, but right. it has to happen second. So deep breath first, photo second. <laughs> yeah. I'm always trying to think, like, what would I tell my grandkids about this trip? And I know that's kind of like a lot of weight to put on maybe a young millennial. But I think if we start to think like that when we're young, it changes the gravity of every decision we make. Like, What would I tell my grandkids or my kids about this experience like how am I going to hold on to it what do I want to physically remember Um, not just in a post that I can refer back to but what do I want to remember and I think in that way if you're thinking that way also the content that you generate um, will be more authentic and be something that you want to remember as well
0: No. yes very well said what would you say to other Indigenous young people who they feel disconnected from their roots and, you know, maybe experiencing some sort of trauma like around that? Like, what would be your advice to them?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I My advice to all young people is that um, you're not running out of time. You don't have to feel pressured. Um, you have so much time to find who you are and to um, really look back into your roots. If you're searching for who you are, then um All of the answers are out there. You just have to be willing to find them and don't get discouraged. Um, All of us are looking and searching, whether it be for what we want to do or where we want to go in the world. Um, But if you're looking for your roots, um, you're not alone. All of us are are on a journey and looking into um, how our past informs our future. Um, So don't be discouraged. Just continue to do that work and to figure out who you are. you know, it's really cheesy, but the only people who can define that and can do that work is ourselves. And we really have to be willing to invest in to do that work for for us.
0: No, no, I agree. I, FYI, I do like cheesy. No, but it's <laughs> it, it's it's true, though. Like, you know, we're all just on our own journey. You know, it's a journey of self-discovery. It's not all about the destination. It's all about the journey. So see, I went cheesy there, too. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I think that was very well said. Like, there's no rush to it.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I find it, I find so many young people say like, well, I didn't grow up with my culture and um because of that I'm I feel lost in the world and um that's a really really tough place to be, especially if you're indigenous because our culture was taken from us, but there's never been a more exciting time for us as indigenous people because there are so many resources um and places that we can go to reconnect. Um, like what we were talking about with Storyboot School, like even something as small as going to a class once a week um, to bead moccasins um, can teach you about who you are. Um, and you can find those things in any anywhere you wanna look. You just have to be willing to look.
0: Yeah. What advice would you give to young people to be more sensitive when they visit different communities, especially, like, especially when they travel? Like what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, um, be curious. Um, and be willing to listen so whenever I travel uh, I never I make sure never to tell people who are from an area um, about their own community I listen to them and let them tell me about it even if I've read up um, you know for weeks about where I'm going. Um, yeah. I can never know more than their lived experience. So be humble. Um, I find that when you're humble and you're traveling um, is often when you get the best experiences because um, people will open up their hearts and their land to you and you'll get to experience um, the magic. And then also I would say that you should always trust the experts. So um, I think in the age of social media, we've become so good at just sort of um, planning our own trips and figuring everything out. and then maybe even just like landing in um, what I would call like outback communities or or indigenous communities without any support. And this is the one time that I would say, like, if you're looking to travel and to have experiences with indigenous communities, then look to the experts um, who already have created a relationship with. Um, or a positive way to engage with that community because you don't want to just show up um so there are um, all kinds of amazing places that you can look
0: no i agree it's like you want to go straight to the source
1: absolutely um so we we feel so independent with social media you know we feel like we can plan anything and do anything but yeah we're um, all experts <laughs> yeah i i actually like real experts so I tend, I tend to lean on them whenever i can
0: yeah well thank you so much Serene. you have been amazing
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Thank you to the brilliant Serene Fox for telling us about her work with the young indigenous Canadians. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever traveled solo? Are you curious? Maybe you're nervous. That's why I'm here to speak to blogger Callie Thorpe, who's going to convince us why solo travel is a great idea. Welcome to the show, Callie. How are you?
2: i'm good how are you i'm
0: good i'm good and so i hear you're currently in la celebrating your 30th birthday
2: i am i'm just about to leave though to fly to mexico today my husband and i are doing a road trip along the pacific coast of baja california we both say that like, we'd rather spend our money on travel because i think it's an experience and a, a memory you create and you can like always hold that to you and it has so much more value than things i think
0: all right tell me about your little solo travel how did that come about
2: So my first solo travel was actually proper solo travel, I consider it, was to India with Contiki. It was kind of... uh, The original plan was actually for my husband to come, but he couldn't get the time off work, actually. And at the time, I was really nervous. I was thinking, I'm so used to traveling with Dan everywhere, especially to places like as far as India. So I was a bit nervous, but um, I researched the place um i thought india was an amazing experience that i just had to do once in my life mm-hmm. and so that was where i decided i wanted to go and yeah i basically flew out to india to delhi alone and joined in with um a tour group with contiki with people i didn't know and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life to be honest oh wow like
0: I d- i've never been to india and it's definitely one of my top three destinations like big trips i kind of go But I know it's not going to be like necessarily a relaxing holiday. I know it's going to be very hectic and very like culture shock. And I definitely want to go. But again, I don't know if I could do that by myself.
1: (laughs) I I
2: think, do you know what? I really think you could. Like, I think people have this perception that like, it's going to be so busy and that you're not going to have a moment. It's just, it's just crazy. But it's just, it's so, the experiences you have and like the feelings being in a country like that give you is amazing. Mm -hmm. And when you're alone, like, I think you can take it in more. I I know that sounds really silly, but when you're traveling with someone you also have to cater for the needs of someone else, but when you're traveling alone, you make the decisions of where you want to what you want to do.
0: Yeah. So what was your husband's reaction to your solo traveling like and how did your like family think about it, especially since you were going all the way to India?
2: <laughs> we were a bit worried because obviously um you know with the news, you often hear things, you know, how you are as a woman there and how safe you can be. And so as a female solo woman traveling I was nervous about traveling to India um and obviously he like my family were as well because they just was just like oh are you gonna be okay and like you don't know anybody like how will it be how will you feel um so yeah they but they were really supportive and they were really excited for me because they were like this is an incredible opportunity and um I just said to them I was like I need to do this once in my life because um I just I just think you should I think you should everyone should solo travel at least once it's just like Incredible.
0: Now that's that's something that's really interesting because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of couples who are listening in right now. So, how important do you think it is for couples who've been together for years um, to be able to let their partner travel solo?
2: I think it's so important because honestly, you learn so much about yourself being alone. Like I was able to like get used to my own company, and I think it's so important for people to do that because we just you sometimes just need time to like be with yourself and know. And have some time to get to know yourself a bit more and just like be in the quiet and do things you like. Like I had a lot of time to read in the evenings and, you know, I relaxed and like, I just, I don't know. It's just so, it was really amazing. I I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I, I really did. And it's changed my perspective about how I feel about being by myself.
0: Now, did you learn anything about yourself while traveling alone? Were there any epiphanies or just realizations? I
2: think more than anything, I realized that I don't need to be so scared that I'm actually you know a capable young woman that I can do I can travel on my own and I I felt safe I felt secure I felt like I you know I knew where I wanted to go and what I wanted to see and I you definitely I I knew that I could do it I think before I wasn't sure that I had the capability to do it like I wasn't brave enough really Mm -hmm. and that I wouldn't be able to cope with being alone but actually I I just I felt like I felt amazing I felt really inspired um by by the fact that I just gave myself that time and like and especially in a country like India where it is so crazy and so busy I just yeah it was amazing
0: I mean I think one of the best things about when you travel alone is that you're able to meet like so many people just because you have to talk to people or else you're just yeah not talking to anyone have you made any friends when you were traveling solo and do you still keep in touch with them
2: Oh, I made so many friends and I still keep in touch with... And obviously you you literally meet people from all across the world. Like my friends that I met on the tour from Australia, Canada, somewhere from the UK, you know, all over the place. And it's just amazing because you realise you you can just learn so much about people in such a short time and you get so close so fast because you're traveling together. Um, and like one of my friends actually just recently sent me um, this amazing care package from Australia. It she said like you something massive- in the post? She did. She, we ah. had like, we had, we, got, we were really close on our trip. And then I came home the other day and I had a package. My neighbor um, knocked the door and she was like, you've got a package. I wasn't expecting anything. And I opened this box and inside was like Vegemite. um, There was like, Um, Tim Tams everything Australian was in this box it was like a little koala bear his sister even drew me a little koala bear picture
0: okay see that's Um, real friendship uh, friendship it's people who send you things in the post and help you move
2: yeah (laughs) but this is what I'm saying like you can you don't realise you think that when you get to a certain age that there's like no room for you to make more friends but I just think that's not true like you go out there and like you experience something and you kind of step out of your comfort zone and you know you don't go on an all inclusive holiday and you or you know you don't do something that you do every year the same and you'd be surprised just how empowering and in, like an amazing it is and how that gives you the opportunity to open doors to meet new people that perhaps that you, you know, you wouldn't. Like I I didn't have any friends in Australia before now and now I have friends in Australia. Do you know what I mean? It's it's amazing. And oh, she's so sweet as well, Bella. I'm going to send her like a London care package as well. You
0: oh, know? you have to. You have to. She's I like, am, she's like, r- r- she like raises the bar. You have to. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like you really like traveling solo. It sounds like you had like a good time. So you would totally do it again, right?
2: I would, honestly, I would absolutely in a heartbeat do it again. And it's just, yeah, I think once you get the bug for it, I think, (laughs) I think you do want to do it a lot more. Like I just, I'm definitely not afraid to do it again. All right.
0: So, I mean, you sold me, but I'm pretty sure there's still some people who are listening who are literally so petrified about traveling solo. They just cannot picture themselves stepping yeah. out of their comfort zone so <clears throat> what are three reasons you would give them that would convince them that you know what pack up your bags just leave everything and just go on your own
2: first of all the reason being is that we are at, like in our normal day-to-day lives we can we often do like the same thing all the time and like you get to the point where everything becomes like robotic and um Going away on a solo trip, it is so scary. And I know it's like, at the beginning it feels scary, but like, I think people often confuse um, fear with excitement. Mm -hmm. And I think actually it's exciting and exhilarating to be somewhere where you're in charge of, your trip you're in charge completely of you don't have to pander to the needs of anybody else you're on the trip with like you you're like okay i want to wake up at half past nine today or i want to wake up at five or you know i want to go for a wander and i want to go to this place and when you're with someone else you have to kind of you have to accommodate the needs of other people with yeah. you you have to but compromise. when you're alone you have to compromise. And with a solo trip, there is no compromise. You can do exactly what you want when you want.
0: So the first reason would be is you're you're in charge of your time. You are yes. going to wherever you want to go and seeing what you want to see. You're on yes. your own timetable.
2: Exactly. Second of all, I would say, like, for me personally, I was really nervous of traveling um, on my own because um, I'm like, a, I'm plus size. So I was always like really nervous about being in another country where I felt like maybe people might judge me for the way I looked. Or, you know, I, a lot of people have like travel anxiety um, and like self confidence issues. And like, how can I be by myself and, you know, feel confident and it it actually made me feel more confident than ever because you know you you just it just proves to you that you don't like if you actually push through your fears you can like overcome them and um I just think it's so important to do that and I always used to have like if my husband's with me and anything upset me I would obviously have him to lean on but you know, I and I always I could text them if I wanted to, but actually being able to, like, process any moment that's happening and be like, OK, that happened. And like, what can I do to change it? At the like, usually it's nothing. And you just hold it and you're like, OK, that was perhaps like I think to be realistic, not even with solo traveling, nothing is ever going to be smooth and perfect. But yeah. that's part of the fun. Um, but yeah, I just think it, 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 I think it's definitely a way to build self-confidence.
0: Yeah. And the confidence to know that you can handle it by yourself. You don't need yeah, someone Yeah, exactly.
2: And finally, I would say to do something to prove people wrong in a way, like I know a lot of people think like, it's not, you shouldn't solo travel. It's not safe. And I think actually a lot of it's exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that way because I was like, Oh gosh, what if something happened? But and there is some amazing networks you can join for people who want to solo travel. Um, you you can meet people everywhere. Like, there's so many... Like, if you go to, like, bars and places, and there are tons of solo travelers that are also traveling around, like... Um, and you just... Yeah, I think it's just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone um, and just going for it. I think... it's kind of, kind of sounds like it's like personal,
0: it. personal growth.
2: Yeah, li- absolutely personal growth, honestly. Um, I just... I loved it. I really did. Um... I think everyone should just book a ticket and go now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm packing in my bags right now. I'm off to India. <laughs> do you know what
2: done. I mean? Like even if it's for three or four days, like or a little long weekend somewhere, or even at the very least you can't do it, it's like a little kind of night stay somewhere just to like tease yourself in and ease yourself into a situation. Um, honestly, I just love it.
0: Well, I mean, you've literally convinced me already.
2: Have I? Yeah, I I
0: mean, I would do it in a heartbeat. (laughs)
2: No.
0: (laughs) Oh, but thank you so much, Callie. I really appreciate you taking your time to uh, come talk to us. No, thank
2: you. I've loved it.
0: That's it for today's episode of Out of Office, powered by Contiki. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. I'm going to be speaking to Meg and Lindsay Kale about their experiences of traveling as an LGBTQ couple to countries with strict laws against homosexuality. I'll also be catching up with journalist Adam Hancock about the things to see, do, and eat in Africa. I'll see you then.